This is Generation Justice. I'm Katerie Zuni. And I'm your co-host, Derek Toledo. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. Tonight, we focus on the issue of prison phone justice. The Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, will vote on how much it should cost to talk to someone who is locked up. More than two million people in the U.S. are incarcerated, and the simple act of calling home comes with heavy financial burdens. My family should not have to pay. Ain't that right, Kevin? Yes. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. That was Kevin Reese, a father currently incarcerated and struggling to keep in touch with his son. Our program tonight brings you insights from family members, activists, and lawyers working on all fronts of this important issue. Carrie Wilkinson of the Seattle-based Human Rights Defense Center provides us with an in-depth understanding of how big telephone monopolies work and their impact on families. DJ member Jaslyn Mendoza, who recently represented New Mexico in Washington, D.C., as part of a national delegation, shares her story with us. And Stephen Renderos, the national organizer for the Center for Media Justice, talks to us about the upcoming FCC vote on lowering prison phone rates and what you can do about it. Our community calendar will help you know what else is coming up this week. Catering, communication is a human right. That has been declared by the United Nations, and several countries have a challenge upholding that right. Yes, and now we go to Hip Hop Incarceration by Frack Throwaways. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Where should this little story begin? Coming through live from the Zulu Nation, representing her, her, her hip hop incarceration. The old school hippity hop is in town. You got four elements before we get down graffiti, breaking, and DJ skills. The fourth is MC, so I'm keeping it real. FRAK, they call me Frack, and I'm bringing real hip hop back on the map. Put your seatbelts in and open wide. Blast off now, let's go on a ride. One of the FCC's responsibilities is to regulate interstate and international communications, including telephone access and rates. We speak with Carrie Wilkinson, the director of Human Rights Defense Center, who, was the wealth, who has a wealth of experience in human rights defense litigation and knows a lot about the FCC and prison phone justice. Now here's GJ First Year Fellow, Polly Danette Claw, with Carrie Wilkinson. My name is Polly Jeanette Claw, and I'm with Carrie Wilkinson from the Human Rights Defense Center, who is joining us from Seattle, Washington. Thanks for joining our program today, Carrie. I'm glad to be here. Carrie, can you please just introduce yourself? Sure. I am the Prison Phone Justice Director for the Human Rights Defense Center. We are the publisher of Prison Legal News, uh, which has been reporting on the prison phone industry for decades now. And we co-founded the Campaign for Prison Phone Justice in 2011 that was successful in getting an FCC order that regulated interstate phone rates, the rates from prisons and jails in one state on calls to another state. And we're currently anticipating an order that will do that same type of regulation for calls made within the same state. And can you tell us a little bit more about the Human Rights Defense Center? We are an organization that advocates for the rights of people in prisons and jails in the United States. Our primary mission is prisoner education, and through our publication, we are able to tell prisoners about their legal rights, changes in the law. We have a litigation piece um, to our organization as well, because many prisons and jails in this country censor our publication. 
also when we come up against censorship like that and we can't get a successful resolution to the problem, in a lot of cases we are forced to litigate to enforce our First Amendment right to communicate with prisoners for their benefit. Going back to um, prison phone justice and just a little bit of background information, can you tell us the difference between federal, state, and private prisons? The federal government runs the Bureau of Prisons, and those are the federal prisons. And then each of the 50 states has its own state prison system, most commonly referred to in the states as Departments of Corrections, but some have other names like Department of Public Safety. And then some of the state prison systems contract with private prisons, which are private companies, to provide prison services for the state. And then there are also county jails that are run by county sheriffs and then uh, municipal jails as well that are run by cities. Why is prison phone justice a key issue for the Human Rights Defense Center? We believe very strongly in prisoner communication. People should not be locked up for long periods of time and not allowed contact with the outside world. Studies show that prisoners who are able to stay in touch with and maintain family contact and ties with their support systems during times of incarceration, not only do they experience a smoother transition back into society, but they also have much lower recidivism rates. And what has happened over the past decade with private industry becoming so involved in the prison phone industry and creating a business model that generates kickbacks to the government agencies that sign the monopoly contracts with the telephone companies. The price of the prison phones has just gotten too expensive for a lot of people to afford. And then at the time that they are released from prison or jail, and 95% of all people who are incarcerated will be released. If they haven't been able to maintain contact with the outside world during the time that they were incarcerated, they just don't have a very good chance for success. Why do you think prison phone justice is a human rights issue? Because people have a right to associate with their families. One quote that I am constantly reminded of is that people go to prison as a punishment. They don't go to be punished. People do have a right to associate with their families. What the FCC is doing is amazing, and it's really gratifying after all these years to see that these families are going to get such immediate relief because the fact sheet that was issued seems to indicate that if it's approved, that all calls from state prisons will be 11 cents a minute. Currently in the state of Arizona, the Arizona DOC is getting a 93.9% kickback from uh, CenturyLink, who provides their telephone services. So a 15-minute phone call is $6. So 93.9% of that is paid as a commission to the Arizona DOC. So assuming the FCC vote is positive and the 11-cent rate goes into effect, prisoners in the Arizona DOC system are going to see the cost of a 15-minute phone call go from $6 to $1.67. Wow. I, I had a few examples about how expensive the phone calls were, but thank you 
again, for just putting it in that perspective. Right. Um, you know, I, and I will say that $6 is not one of the higher rates that we see. Um, I took a call here in Washington State from an advocate who works with people detained in county jails. And she called me because she had just um, accepted a 15-minute phone call from a woman who was being detained at the Cowlitz County Jail here in Washington State, and she paid $14.95 for a 15-minute call. Wow. We've seen reports of $17 for a 15-minute call. The problem as we see it is that the telephone company is contracting with the prison or the jail. And that is who they view as their customer, not the prisoners' families who are actually the ones using the service and paying for it. And so what happens in this business arrangement is the jails, historically, they have been able to get a kickback from the telephone company. They want as much money as they can get. So they demand a really high commission and then the telephone company has to charge artificially high rates and still get a profit. The two largest players in the prison phone industry are companies named Securus Technologies and Global Tellink. Between the two of them, they service 80% of the market, and they are both owned by hedge funds. So they are all about profit, and it has just gotten completely out of control. And are these high percentages common in other places around the country? Yes. 93.9 is the highest that I have seen. Generally, they're between 50 and 75%. Wow. You know, our thinking with the reduced telephone rates is, you know, once you're able to get a call down to an affordable level, like $1.67, we believe that this whole commission structure will just kind of take care of itself because there won't be all that money from these artificially high rates because a reasonable government agency has now stepped in to protect the people that have been price gouged for so many years. The FCC is charged with making sure that rates that people pay are fair, just, and reasonable. And I don't think that any of us can say that a 15-minute phone call that costs $14.95 is fair, just, or reasonable. And Carrie, is there anything else that you would like to add? You know, for such a long time, prisoners and their families have been such a marginalized group in this society that no one has really cared what has happened to them or, or who's ripping them off. And it's nice to see the regulators finally taking a look at this very poor consumer group and you know, all of that money comes from prisoners' families. Securus Technologies, one of the companies that I referenced earlier, they issued a press release in March of this year that said in the last 10 years, they have paid $1.3 billion in commissions to correctional facilities in the United States. And every penny of that $1.3 billion was paid for by a prisoner or their family or a friend or someone, you know, who put money on books to pay for a prison phone call. And that just isn't right, and it needs to stop. Carrie, thank you for talking with us here at Generation Justice. I really appreciate it. You really put the numbers into perspective and really talking about how these high prison phone rates really do affect poor people. 
Well, I'm glad I was able to help, and I really appreciate you reaching out to us on this subject. Awesome. Thank you so much. Man, anytime you hear the word kickbacks, that, that can be good. And especially over a billion dollars a year for prison phone calls, that's extreme. I agree. It's shocking to hear the enormous profits these companies are making off of families who are really just trying to make it through some of the most difficult times of their lives. Thank you, Carrie and Polly. The Center for Media Justice and its project, the Media Action Grassroots Network, or MAGNET, have been organizing nationally around prison phone justice. GJ is not only a member of MAGNET, but is also the regional anchor. Jasleen Mendoza represented New Mexico families in Washington, D.C. as part of a MAGNA delegation that met with members of the FCC to help them understand how important it is for families to stay connected. The FCC has the power to regulate telephone companies so families can truly stay connected. Here is Jasleen Mendoza's story. My name is Jasleen Mendoza. I'm from Generation Justice. Today I would like to share my story of my father and I, over the past 12 years, he's been locked up in prison. Before my father got locked up, I was being raised by him and my grandparents, who now I call parents as well because they have raised me all these 12 years. When he got locked up, I was left with my grandparents, and I haven't had the opportunity to talk to him as often as I wished I could. If he calls, he calls at least once a month, and it's only 15 minutes. And the chances I get to talk to him is at least five minutes or less. If I want to be fair and just say that I actually did talk to him for at least five minutes each month, it will equal to 60 minutes. 60 minutes means an hour a year. And how I said, he's been locked up for 12 years, meaning that I've only talked to him 12 hours, 720 minutes. That's not a lot at all. Five minutes for you guys is just, oh yeah, five minutes. But for me, it's something different. It's something that means the most to me. Talking to my father at least five minutes will make my month. Knowing how he's doing, knowing that he's okay, and knowing that he loves me is all I need to hear from him. It's not enough at all. For what my grandparents pay, it's not enough. Five minutes, I wish I could talk to him the whole 15 minutes. But then yet again, my grandmother needs to talk to him. My grandfather has to talk to him. It hurts because I can't tell him what I really want to tell him. My grandmother tells me, oh, oh, no, don't tell him that. That's irrelevant. It's nothing. And I just stay there like, mom, it's, it's important for me. But how she says, time runs out. So the last few words I say is, daddy, I love you. I miss you. And it's hard to say goodbye. Sometimes I don't even catch her say goodbye because it hangs up on me since I don't have communication with my dad. I lost the bonding that me, me and him had. He used to take care of me. He used to go out and play. And over the summers, he used to um, put out the pool. I would stay there in and out, and he would call me his mermaid. And 
like he missed my eighth grade graduation, fifth grade graduation, important things in my life that have passed. And like my only hope is that by the time I graduate college, with at least my master's, he'd be out to at least experience that. It's sad to say that I lost the connection with him, not because I wanted to, but because we can't have that communication we want because either the rates are too high or it it's just not it's not as easy to just say pick up a phone how it is now because they charge you right away and he has to be wise when to call because sometimes we miss a call and there goes this month of calling so for the 12 years that my father has been locked up and I know there will be probably a lot more years to come. My parents have sent him at least $200 a month. So $200 a month times 12 years is about 28000 around that. But I'm not counting when they used to give more before. And my parents, I mean, they don't work, they're old. They're son five and 76 years old, they get social security. They can't afford it. They have to choose what they need to pay after they send my dad money. Yes, I do send him money when I can, but then as well, I have my own, my own bills to pay. And so it makes me feel that I should be doing more when I learned that communication is a human right, it made me feel that they're taking that right away from me. It's not fair that everyone does get to um, talk to their loved ones. I know he is locked up, but it doesn't give them the right to take that right away from him. Everyone's our humans and that's the need of humans to have comfort and they find comfort through communication as well. Obviously, we always look up to our parents, and my father was a great parent. I don't think that he's a criminal, how society portrays him. But as I see it now, no, he's not a criminal. He's just any other person that committed a mistake and that deserves another chance. I miss him and I love him in that I'll stand up for him and be his voice. Although he hasn't been there all these years, I know that one day he will be here. And the things I do, I do thinking of him, trying to make him proud because how society says that if you have a mother or a father or both parents that do wrong, you're gonna end up the same way. I'm proving them wrong because I am going to college. I have good grades. I'm doing good. I'm working for my degrees and not giving up. And that I love him. And that sooner or later, I'll be able to be with him. In this life, you just have to take a stand.
and do it. Thank you. We don't often hear about the rights of prisoners and their families. Jasmine's story gives much needed light to the human element of this issue. The parent-child relationship is sacred, and as a parent myself, I cannot imagine the pain millions of families endure after losing that bond. Yeah, Jasmine spoke from a very honest and truthful place. I can't even imagine the emotions that she deals with every year, speaking to your parents, speaking to your dad for five mu- five minutes a month. That's extreme. It's just unfortunate that some families have to go through it, but it's a reality. Thank you again, Jeslyn, for your courage to speak up for families and for sharing your story with us. The next song we have reflects a similar message. It's Jungle by Jaw Nine. have grown in the same situation tribal warfare chat for slavery and now taxes the people never have enough and children are born fatherless and families have no one to rely on so from blood sweat and tears the solution appears the pride needs defending by a lion will you be the one once again the issue we are bringing you this week is at a critical point, as the FCC will vote on whether or not to lower prison phone rates. Stephen Renderos from the Center for Media Justice joins DJ fellow Christina Rodriguez to help us understand a little more on why this FCC vote is so critical. I'm joined by Stephen Renderos. He is the national organizer at the Center for Media Justice, and today we're talking about the important upcoming FCC vote on reducing prison phone rates. Stephen, welcome to Generation Justice. Thanks for having me. Can you start off telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? So as you mentioned, I'm the national organizer at the Center for Media Justice. We're a media advocacy organization based in Oakland, California. And one of the primary things that we do is that we organize a national network of social justice organizations that are based all over the country, over 175 in total, who all work at the intersection of media and social justice. And prison phone justice is one of the primary campaigns that our network has taken on at the national level. And can you tell us a little bit about what is prison phone justice? Prison phone justice is essentially the call from families of incarcerated folks and from folks who are incarcerated on the inside seeking some financial remedy to a very predatory practice that exists in the prison telephone industry. Right now, for folks who are incarcerated and for the family members on the outside, they have to pay some pretty high rates to stay connected to their loved ones. This is all because the prison industry is set up in a way in which it takes advantage of the fact that people want to stay in touch. And so the rates are way more inflated. And an average 15-minute phone call costs 200, 300 times more than what we would pay for it on the outside, just making a regular phone call from a payphone. I've seen those rates, and I think that's, that's pretty ridiculous. How do you think those high phone prison rates impact families and children? Yeah, you know, the reality is that there are 2.7 million children who have an incarcerated parent. That's close to 3 million children who are not able to speak to one or both of their parents on a regular basis. Telephone calls actually become the very few ways in which you can hear your parent tell you, I love you. You can deliver that birthday message. You can just stay in touch about how life is changing. So essentially, the telephone call is your, your form of parenting. 
The impact is both financial and emotional. Families have been on the hook for paying hundreds of dollars in phone bills. We've heard cases from families in which they've paid thousands of dollars over the course of the term that their loved one has been incarcerated. And so, you know, you're talking about families who by and large are poor to begin with, and that very little money is being, you know, spent to to pay these ridiculous phone bills. Wow, Stephen, I really appreciate that you include the emotional impact because it's not just a dollar sign. It's not just a bill that the families have to pay, but there's a lot that comes along with that, you know. Absolutely. How did these rates get so high in the first place? The prison telephone industry is one of these very few places in which we allow monopolies to exist. The contracts between a telephone company like Securus or Global Tel Link, which are the two biggest ones in the country. So they're not the AT&Ts and the Verizons of the world. These are specific companies in which their sole business is prison telephone calls. They negotiate deal with a prison, with a county jail, with a private detention facility. And as part of that contract, they negotiate something called a commission. Commission is really just a fancy way of saying kickback and is a fancy way for jails and prisons and other correctional facilities to generate revenue. So essentially, that commission represents a certain percentage of the revenue that's generated through phone calls, and that percentage gets kicked back to the facility. Wow. And can you talk a little bit about how Again, this is something more than just a phone call, but why is this like a human rights issue? Well, the reality is that we are a nation that incarcerates more people than any other developed country in the world. There are over two million people who are incarcerated, and there are hundreds of thousands that are detained, immigrants that are being detained every year, and you know, hundreds of thousands that are being deported every year. What the telephone call represents is that vital connection to the outside world, which is not only to maintain relationships to your families, but in many cases is your lifeline to mount a significant legal defense, you know, being in regular contact with your attorney, being able to mount an defense in, in the first place if you were just detained. Telephone calls are very much a lifeline for folks who are on the inside. So taking that away and using it as an excuse to, to profit from it is egregious. The prison telephone company like Securus, for example, made over $300 million last year, of which over $140 million was pure profit. Yeah, I agree, just because that phone call does represent so much and exploiting the most vulnerable people in order to profit off that human connection just seems wrong on so many different levels. One thing I'd add is that for most folks who are incarcerated, when you are first getting to the inside, you want nothing more than to, to hear a familiar voice. And for families around the outside who are facing someone who just got incarcerated, who just got locked up, most families would pay just about anything to stay in touch. I mean, that's certainly been the experience with my family. When my cousin you know, was first incarcerated a few years ago, those first few months, we were in contact almost on a daily basis because that's what they needed on the inside to get through what they were getting through. And we had to pay some pretty high rates because of it. And that's the thing that's being preyed on, that desire to be connected and that willingness by most families to do just about anything to accept that phone call. And that's, that's just wrong, and the private companies would take advantage of that reality. Could you tell us more about what's at stake for this upcoming vote on October 22nd? I mean, what's at stake is the complete transformation of an industry, a telecommunications industry. The 
private prison telephone companies, the sheriffs, the prisons themselves are not happy about the proposed changes because what it means is that the millions of dollars that were being extracted from poor families are now not going to be lining their pockets. And so they're pretty angry about it. But what's also true is that when families who are impacted speak up and have their voices heard in places like the Federal Communications Commission, change can happen. We've been very fortunate that within the Federal Communications Commission, we've had a really strong leader, FCC Commissioner Mignon Clyburn, who has been a real advocate for families who often get forgotten, including the 2.7 million children who have an incarcerated parent. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would encourage people who are interested in this issue to actually watch the vote live. The vote will happen Thursday, October 22nd at 9 o'clock in the morning Eastern time, which I know for New Mexico is a little early. But grab your breakfast and you can tune in online by going to check it out at FCC.gov. They are tracking. Are people watching? Do people care about this issue? People saying anything about this on Twitter, on social media. So to the extent that you can take a moment and either thank the FCC or watch live on Thursday, October 22nd, we can demonstrate that when the FCC does the right thing, they will have a community of people behind them that support them. And that's what we're focusing on. And we'd welcome any support around that. I think the work that you do is so important to literally all of us. And having you remind me that change can happen and change is happening is a really big deal. So again, just thank you so much. You know, thank Generation Justice. Generation Justice has been a part of this effort to bring about prison phone justice, including bringing folks who are impacted as part of delegations that we've brought to D.C. and having impacted families speak to actual commissioners at the FCC. You all have been amazing partners in this whole process. And it's because of you and other members within our, our network you know, that really make up the power that we have as a network to effectuate the kind of change that we want to see. So I'm, I'm humbled to, to work with groups like Generation Justice because it's, it's what makes my job easy. Thank you so much, Stephen. After hearing these stories and getting to know the work that's gone into this issue, I will absolutely be following the FCC vote this week. Yeah, and we have to remember, these are not just phone calls. This is keeping families together. Thank you for sharing your time with us, Stephen Renderos. And now we'll listen to a phone conversation with Kevin Reese and his son. Hello. My name is Kevin Reese. I'm 29 years old. I'm currently housed in a Minnesota correctional facility where I've been for the last 11 years. I speak to you by phone. Being that the phone is my primary means of communication with the world. I made a mistake when I was 18 years old, and I spent the last decade of my life working to make amends and trying to make myself a better human being. I come from a family of working-class people who work every day to feed their children and pay their bills just like millions of other Americans. But now, when I call on Christmas, my sisters have to make the decision between accepting my call and buying my niece and nephew Christmas toys. I also have a 12-year-old son who loves his father, who loves to consult with his dad about the seventh grade dance, or gloat to me about an A he just received on his math test, or express our mutual disappointment in the Minnesota Vikings story. But what if every time we spoke, we were deciding between affording a roof over his head, buying him school supplies, or making sure he have health insurance? Then me being in loving and involved parents will be sort of counterproductive. 
affordable phone calls has been the glue that has kept me together during this long time incarceration. I made the mistake. My family should not have to pay. Ain't that right, Kevin? Yes. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. Can you even imagine being 18 years old and making a mistake and having to pay for it and having your child have to pay for it and not being able to see you for over 10 years? That's something very serious and can't be ignored easily. Now, before our community calendar, we'll play I Shall Be Released by Nina Simone. They say everything can be replaced. They say every distance is not near. So I remember everything. Of every man who put me here There's always all kinds of cool stuff going on around town. Let's check out this week's event with our calendar hosts Jakia Fuller and Jonathan Alonso. Tonight's show is very important because prison phone justice isn't widely discussed but affects a lot of people in our city. To show our support and love for our community, we'll be sharing local events during this week's calendar. I'm Jakia Fuller. And I'm Jonathan Alonso. But before we start, we'd like to remind you that our fall pledge drive is going on right now. You can pledge a donation and become a KUNM member. It's uber easy. Go online and search KUNM.org. Once you're on the website, click on the Support KUNM tab to make your donation. So please go to KUNM.org to show your love for Generation Justice. Our first event for, t for the night is Ponocha Platica, Interpretations of Awareness. This event is for all self-identified -identif women of color, including queer and transgendered. Ages 18 and up are invited to attend. They will be reflecting on self-awareness and interactions through art and dialogue. Hey Jakia, when and where is that event taking place? The win is Wednesday, October 21st at 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. It will be taking place at Young Women United on 309 Gold Avenue Southwest. For more information, please contact Young Women United at 505-831-8930 and by email at ywu at youngwomenunited.org. That sounds like a great event that Young Women United is hosting. Well, if you like that event, Young Women United is hosting another event called 16 Years of Mukaria. What is that event about? I'm glad you asked, Jakia. Mukaria means love, justice, comunidad, dedication, strategy, young leaders, daughters, mamas, tias, queers, trans, GNC familia, red lipstick, art, transformation, and poder. Wow, it means all of that? Yes, that's how Young Women United defines it. What will be included at this event? A taco bar, face painting, a community altar, photo booth, music by DJ, D DJ Budafunk, and poetry by Jessica Helen Lopez. Jonathan, what's the date and location of this event? It will be taking place Friday, October 23rd at 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. It will be located at Amy Beal, 123 4th Street, Southwest. 
For more information, please contact Young Women United at 505-831-8930 and by email at ywu at youngwomenunited.org. Following up on tonight's topic about prison phone justice, there will be an event called The Vote is Here. Be a witness for prison phone justice. It will be Thursday, October 22nd at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Watch the FCC vote via the live stream online. Next up is the CESOSS Fun Walk and Run. This event will be on Sunday, October 25th from 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. There will be arts and crafts for the kids, speakers, poets, and more. This year's theme is El Agua es Sagrada, which means the water is sacred. The purpose of this institute is to play a role in the development of new generations of leaders in the community. It also focuses on legislation and local policy development. Jakia, where will that event take place? It will take place at the Armijo Ezequia. The Sanchez Farms will be the starting point. For your tickets and registration, go to www.picatic.com slash C-E-S-O-S-S Fun That's it for this week's community calendar. I'm Jonathan Alonso. And I'm Jakia Fuller. Now it's back to our hosts, Katerie and Derek. Thank you, Jakia and Jonathan, for all that great information. Yeah, it's been a really good show. It was good hearing firsthand personal stories from Prison Phone Justice. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of tonight's show. If you've enjoyed tonight's program as much as we have and would like to support KUNM with programs like Generation Justice and other great shows, here is how you can do that. Most radio stations got rid of their vinyl years ago, but not KUNM. We still have one of the largest collections anywhere, and many of our DJs still play vinyl for you. Nobody does radio like KUNM. We're live and local with program hosts who care about the music and about the community. If you appreciate that, now is the time to show it. It takes just a minute, and if you do it now, it will be credited to this show. Just log on to KUNM.org and click the banner at the top. That's KUNM.org. Monthly givers have $5 a month or more transferred from their checking account or from their credit card to KUNM's account. Some of them do it so more of their donation goes directly to keeping this program on air. Like Chuck Buxbaum and Rebecca Gordon of Albuquerque. Generation Justice would also like to thank everyone who made this show possible. Thank you to our guests, Stephen Renderos from the Center for Media Justice, Carrie Wilkinson of the Human Rights Defense Center, and especially Kevin Reese and his son, and Jasmine Mendoza for sharing her family stories with us. Interviews were conducted by Polly Denetkla, Christina Rodriguez, Roberta Rayel, and thank you, Magnet, for sharing the audio of Kevin Reese and his son. G.J. Callender hosts this evening were Jakia Fuller and Jonathan Alonzo. Production assistance came from George Luna Peña, Christina Rodriguez, Polly Denekla, Melissa Harris, Kamaria Umi, and Roberta Rayel. Last but certainly not least, much appreciation to all our youth media members here at Generation Justice. We could not do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of the past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate our podcasts. We're also active on social media, so like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter tweet, tweet. and Instagram. Ch -ch -ch.
Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kerlog Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Kon Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm Kateri Zuni. And I'm Derek Toledo. We'll close with a few more songs, but up next is Spoken Word, so stay tuned. And join us again next Sunday at 7 o'clock. I hear something saying the sound of the men working on the chain gang that's the sound there is fiction in the space between lines on your page of memories write it down but it doesn't mean not just telling stories